0: Go to our next encounter lesson this is for a sunday april 10th wait
1: did you say april 10th what?
0: april 10th you did what i did what chris what is happening on april 10th i feel like there's something like right at the back of my mind that i'm supposed to acknowledge
1: yeah, yeah it's a future wait. national holiday uh-huh. it is
0: oh wait it's the beginning of passion week yes so that's amazing it is welcome to passion week but there was there was another Oh, isn't it your birthday? My
1: birthday, yes.
0: Oh, yay! Yeah. Happy birthday, Chris. <laughs>
1: yep, yep. Pretty excited about that. I'm it getting is, older. It is a
0: national holiday. You are getting older. Got any Great more gray hairs. hairs coming in yep. right there?
1: all up down right. here.
0: Yeah. You know, it happens to the best of us. <clears throat> it's a distinguishing so, mark. That's Thank you is.
1: for the you're, shout you're out. You're welcome. And for everybody else birthday. who has a birthday on April 10th.
0: Happy birthday, passion week! Happy birthday! Yeah, what a week to celebrate your birthday! Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, you know, it always floats, you know, it's always fun. It's usually on birthday, it's either sometime near Easter or it's during the uh, like um, Masters Golf tournament, it's always around this time. So, anyway,
0: I understand entirely. So, this week we are talking about. The crucified King. Mm, what a topic to have a conversation on! What a beautiful topic! Our scripture reading this week comes from John chapter nineteen, verses seventeen through thirty-seven. And our memory verse this week is John nineteen nineteen. Pilate also had an inscription written and put on the cross that read, "Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews." Before we jump into our scripture reading today and lesson, let us have our prayer for illumination. God of all time, as we prepare to learn today and this week, help us to call to mind these events in Jesus's life so that we can see their significance for our present lives. And for the future, you're preparing for all creation in Jesus name. Amen. That prayer for elimination came from the worship source book. Chris, you were author this week. I am. I was. And man you had some really good points you want to you want to start us with the introduction no really i mean i was just this one folks if you are teaching this class which i guess we didn't really introduce ourselves i'm so sorry i jumped right over our introduction hi i'm becky this is chris thanks for hanging out this week let's do it <laughs> um this one is is gonna hit some really deep points, so teachers, I hope you're ready for some deep discussion because we're we're gonna get into some deep stuff today. So, Chris, what'd you got? What'd you start off with?
1: So, for the introduction, um, of course, you you have to come into these lessons with some way of making conversation, right? So, um, I thought about uh, the the Passion Week, right? Because like in churches, a lot of times we'll like celebrate Palm Sunday and not Passion Sunday like passion Sunday is usually something that Catholics do more. So usually in Protestant churches, we all have the kids coming down the aisle with the palm branches singing Hosanna, Hosanna, but you know, that kind of thing. Um, and so, but you know, we don't, we don't focus in on the passion week too much. And it reminded me of the, like I've said in the introduction, a time where when I was working at TGI Fridays in O'Fallon, Illinois. (laughs) Yeah. O'Fallon anyway. Um, yeah, you know, everybody at TGI Fridays knew I was in seminary to be a preacher or whatnot, and so um, when Easter came around, uh, I think that was the time when um, Mel Gibson uh, put out, I think it was 2000, did I put, 2004. Yeah, Uh,
0: you put 2004 in here, yeah.
1: You know, and it was a big, it was a big draw, like it was a big, big, big thing, Uh, and so
0: uh,
1: they wanted to go see it, and I just remember uh, some of these folks had not really Some had. St. Louis is a really heavily Catholic area, and so a lot of them grew up in the Catholic church. And anyway, I just remember seeing my kitchen manager, you know, at one of the moments that just, she was just crying. She wasn't saying anything. She was crying, and you know, you let it ride. Yeah. Uh, And then I remember the, uh, really the outrage almost from some people in the media when they were reviewing that, talking about how it was a quote-unquote religious snuff film. Uh, And then I remember the Pope saying it is as it was. Um, mm-hmm. and and we get offended even at a historical event and so anyway the the point being is is that one of the one of the things that i i think was great about the passion of the christ even though it was so violent is that we just we try to make religion so neat and not dirty yeah and it's not like jesus christ suffered and it wasn't the physical things. It wasn't God being a abusive father. If you understand what Christ went through on a spiritual level, what do our souls go through uh, when we're, when we are full and steep in sin? Right? Yeah. So mm. that's kind of it.
0: Mm. And, and so, you know, I think we were talking about before that I have, I have never seen the passion because I'm a very visual person. And and I have enough knowledge of history and have seen enough images that what I conjure in my head is good enough. Uh, good enough for me, because it is very horrific, and I don't know that I could ever sit through and watch watch a film that so repre- so well represents what Christ went through and all those who were crucified. But it is about the spiritual, spiritual aspect. And that's one thing that I think that you brought up in here that I loved when, when she had asked you the question, why were they so brutal? You said, Well, that is also what happened not only to Jesus, but anyone charged with the heinous crimes, but it is also a physical illustration of the damage that sin does to our souls and the seriousness in which Christ loves us. And I agree with you. I think in the Western culture, especially the American culture, we just kind of We tend to gloss over the crucifixion. We recognize that it happened. We recognize that Christ went through it, but we don't often really talk about the physical suffering, but also the spiritual suffering that Christ went through. And how that is so important to us as we remember, as we're walking through this Passion Week, to remember that it was a choice, that Christ chose this, that he didn't have to, that he chose to submit himself to the father's will and and chose to go this path and bear our sins um so that we could have life and and we we don't think about that i think sometimes we we don't like to think about it too deeply because it is painful it is a painful thought process
1: yeah uh like i said i mean we w- probably most people listening to this have that memory verse of pick up your cross and follow me what does it gain a man or human if they gain the whole world that you lose their soul kind of thing right repeat that verse after you've watched the passion of the christ pick up your cross and follow and it will have a different feeling than when you're just reciting it as a memory verse right or when paul says offer your bodies as living sacrifices holy and pleasing to god um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, oftentimes it, it happens all the time. Like uh, I've said before, the reason why a sacrifice is so bloody is because you're supposed to understand the seriousness of it. It's not just yeah. a handshake and a hand bump and say "I got you, man." But you're you're taking the very best of what you have, be it like a goat or a bull or a lamb. Uh, it's the it's costing you something materially. Then you're slaughtering it, and that's not pretty it's not like you're going to wear your Sunday best you have to be prepared to get dirty and to see pain and suffering because that's what mm-hmm. a sacrifice is that's what a so when you make a vow or you make a covenant or you have this sacrifice it's not supposed to be pretty
0: uh, mm-hmm. it's supposed to be
1: worth something and you know so that's a good way to
0: yeah and we don't live in a sacrificial system I mean if you think about the ancient Hebrews you know the old testament text when we read through like the consecration of the tabernacle or the consecration of the temple, you know, we just kind of, again, we just kind of read right through, but if you are a visual person and you understand all the blood that is being spilled and sprinkled everywhere, just like blood flinging on people Mm -hmm. and on the sides of buildings and on, you know, a brand new building that we just built and we're just going to, yeah, um, sprinkled sprinkle blood all across the walls and yeah. stuff i mean it's we sanitize it's, things yeah ugh.
1: our dedicating Next. a building is holding hands and asking the lord to come in
0: yes or consecrating. Yes. yeah and so we don't we don't have that image of sacrifice and what that what that really means when again when you pick up your cross and follow christ it is it is a sacrifice and and it's not pretty it's not yeah. always pretty yeah ooh. Oh, again, teachers, really deep discussion this week that we're getting into. So um, I hope you really think about some of these things that we're bringing up for you. Exploring the scripture, historical and contextual setting. You really do some great points in here of, of walking us through the different phases that the Jews walk through and their belief of what the Messiah was. Can you kind of help us understand maybe better what those phases were and what they believed at those points
1: just in a general way i can okay so like get in your mind genesis 3 what 16 and 17 um okay what like um scholars call um proto evangelium or evangelum
0: you said genesis 3 16 and 17
1: you No, know, so that was where god is speaking to adam and eve and the serpent and yep. he tells your god tells um, eve and the serpent the serpent will strike your oh yeah you want, you want me to read them yeah read it because okay. i okay. do genesis
0: that. 3 16 and 17 say to the woman he said i will surely multiply your pain and childbearing and pain you shall bring forth children your desires shall be contrary to your husband but he shall rule over you and to adam he said because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which i commanded you you shall not eat of it cursed is the ground because of you in pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life verses one 18 more. and 19 thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you and you shall eat the plants of the field by the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground for out of it you were taken for you are dust and to dust you shall return
1: keep going one more sorry one more okay no
0: you're good where you god called, is talking
1: to the snake
0: um do do where is the man talking to the snake
1: that's in there oh,
0: before that okay so verse 14 and 15 There you go. the lord said to the serpent because you have done this cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field on your belly you shall go and dust you shall eat all the days of your life i'll put enmity enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel
1: gotcha so like the so some people again scholars would say and some fathers and mothers of church history would and would interpret that as the first preaching of the gospel so god says from the woman will be someone who conquers the serpent or or satan Mm -hmm. satan will take his his piece of meat bite. yeah yeah um and so so that's the unfolding story right so like everything you read even though i had the wrong um, reference like from the garden of eden god is saying here's the punishment here's whatever but even at the very beginning it's but we're we're going to restore this we're going to redeem this at some point in time
0: yeah and so restoration
1: so that's kind of the first thing so there was a thought of of a messiah now it changed throughout the years uh throughout the periods of uh, judaism and like some of it is is when they were in babylonian exile the messiah was someone that would bring them home to israel right um mm-hmm. when when they were under roman rule but still like they weren't exiled but they were under roman rule in jerusalem the thought was that conquering king that would you know yeah. establish a political rule or whatnot so there was kick out the romans kick out the romans and go on uh, and then yep. there was different theology so far as like uh Lots of people understand the suffering servant of Isaiah, like Isaiah 53. And sometimes the Jewish thought it was that the nation of Israel was the suffering servant. That's how they understood that. But then as you go on, you know, obviously some Jews thought that no, this would be a person from the line of King David. And ultimately, mm-hmm. some, you know, a lot of them became Christians or whatnot. Um, and then you have further after that for Jews who continued on who rejected the Messiah of Christ or the divinity of Christ or whatnot. Um, they still look for Messiah, and so Mamanides, which I'm 100% sure I got that right, Maman, Maman, oh, I can't do it again now, so anyway, (laughs) uh, but so, like, imagine uh, in churches where you recite the Apostles' Creed or some type of confession, every, in in many Jewish settings, you'll have these 13 uh, articles of faith, and or principles of faith, however you want to call it, they'll recite all 13 of them to start the worship service. And the 12th one is, I believe by complete faith in the coming of the Messiah, and even though he tarry in waiting, in spite of that, I will still wait expect expectantly for him each day, and that he will come. And then principle 13, I believe by complete faith that there will be a resurrection of the dead at the time that will be pleasing before the creator. Blessed be his name, and the remembrance of him will be exalted forever and for all eternity. So, you know, we would just say Christians understand 12 and 13 as being already fulfilled. Sure. So we're not that far off, but, you know, we are far off uh, in in some ways. But there's different ways to think about it. That's all I wanted to bring up in that historical connection there. John. Yes,
0: it changed over time. And that's what John was trying to connect us to was that John was trying to take all of this thought process through the entire scripture as they understood it the hebrew scripture the only scripture that they had available to them and and connect him back to all of the prophecies that were that were brought forth i think we've talked about that several times through this study yeah. of john and we Is will that,
1: in that next section because yeah john really turns it up a notch uh, in the next couple
0: you know chapters about yeah. jesus with the messiah Absolutely. So before we jump into the next section, your discussion question on this one, I really, I was really thinking about this one. You said, how does our Western American culture affect our understanding of Jesus as Messiah? So since Messiah has changed through the thought process of the of Judaism through time, um, how does, how does our Western culture affect that? What do you, what do you think?
1: When I wrote this, there was obviously no war in U- Ukraine or anything, oh. But now that I think about it, I bet just to because Ukraine is a heavenly Christian Christian nation, like pretty heavily Orthodox, um, probably Russian Orthodox actually. But nonetheless, mm-hmm. um, I bet their understanding of what Jesus and Savior and Messiah means is a whole lot different than ours right now. Um, sure, it's probably more earthy right now. I, I you know so like where we can get, especially in an evangelical setting, we can talk about sweet by and by and get in heaven and poor wayfaring stranger. I'm guaranteeing that people in Ukraine right now are really just praying that a bomb doesn't get dropped off and, and to be saved has a lot to do with their physical uh, condition. More right. so than us who, you know, obviously eat well and can turn on a light and read whenever we want to and go take showers whenever we want to. I mean, it's just, it, it's different. And, and I think that... And then, so that's on a cultural level, but on an individual level, it changes as well. Like if you've been through, you know, we've all been through four times in life, probably our prayers sure. have changed and our expectations okay. have changed. And so, you know, maybe we get a more full understanding when we get into different situations. I don't know.
0: Right. Uh, yeah, no, I think that's true because when you think about Jesus as Messiah, so just thinking about my own life as a kid, it was stay out of hell. Yeah. You know, that was my understanding of Jesus as a Messiah is, is stay out of hell. That was, I don't want to burn for eternity. This does not sound like a good plan. Let's not yeah, do that. not a good plan. It's not a good plan. <laughs> a good plan. Um, but then as I've grown and I, I have matured and seen Christ work through my life, through the people around me, how I understand Jesus as Messiah is, is I think a lot of times we talk about Jesus as Messiah as this future salvation. You know, when we get to heaven, we love that song when we all get to heaven. Um, You know, we all love singing that, but it's also here and it's presenting the kingdom of God here to the people that I'm surrounded by, whether it be my my peers, my colleagues, my family, my friends, you know, how do we represent Christ to those around us and how do we bring the kingdom and make it an active and living force now, as well as in the future and, and how I interpret that and how I look at the kingdom has changed significantly as I've changed.
1: There's certain things to where Christ isn't just Messiah, but Christ is Lord right? Mm -hmm. So Messiah has that thought of salvation, which can lead you up to just thinking in that sweet by and by, but also Christ is Lord, which means that if you're here on earth, he's still Lord. And so we're subjects to the King or to the Lord. And so Mm -hmm. our theology of Messiah can't stop short of just salvation. It's Messiah, Lord, he's the anointed of God and and all that brings out. What I would say while you were talking, um, so the ditch on both sides of of christian theology would be it's when we're comfortable again so this is like a western culture when we're comfortable we can make things all about uh heaven Mm -hmm. we're not really suffering right now sure i mean our suffering is literally you know can i get dessert or not get dessert
0: right you had to wait you had to wait at the uh, traffic light 30 seconds longer than you thought it should have
1: so maybe on the more conservative side, you think about heaven too much, but more on the progressive side, maybe just in your space of of um, of your space of comfort and privilege, if you will, and you try to make everything about the actions toward the poor. But the poor also want to know that there's something better in heaven, right? Sure. Not a bad thing either, right? <laughs> so like sometimes we lose the earthly over here, and then sometimes we lose the heavenly over here, right? So. So that's one way I think our culture a balance. Yeah, there's got to be a balance. Jesus is there's
0: got to be a balance.
1: Messiah and Lord, Savior mm-hmm. and Lord, right? Mm-hmm. There's two things there.
0: Absolutely. Good for our teachers. I mean, yeah. yeah. No, I think that's a great question to really talk about because if in our Sunday school classes you're going to have people of different age brackets and different life experiences that will be able to share. Their progressive progression of how they understand Jesus as Messiah.
1: Yeah,
0: digging deeper. Oh, dig deeper. Let's dig deeper. I really enjoy this section because again, John is all about connecting Jesus and and showing Jesus as the prophesied Messiah. Yeah, That's so how he structured his book.
1: Maybe in the last like in these, in the first 18 chapters, maybe even John was connecting Jesus with the lamb of God, but really in 19 chapter, pretty much all of chapter 19 and 20, he's connecting Jesus as the Messiah, the thought of Messiah. So he kind of turns like after Passover, when, when, when John states that, you know, this, this dinner that the disciples have was on the day of the preparation for the Passover really after that now all these things that john brings up are prophecies about the messiah not about the lamb so you can note that if you want to
0: mm-hmm.
1: so so let's talk about our prophecies step, that's what i was going to say in the digging deeper section then that's what i was trying to do there is to say okay so john's purposely now taking uh, some things from the old testament the psalms and and one from zechariah that then connect this christ on the cross with the messiah that the jews were looking for um Mm -hmm. but i wanted to highlight i mean one of the things um sometimes like people will think that i want to say that all these things happen and yes john is writing for a particular reason he said that that you might believe jesus christ is the messiah but he didn't make this stuff up he recorded what happened And then as like a preacher or an evangelist said, because, and it happened because this is what it said in the old Testament. And so I use this little illustration of R.C. Sproul in that debate to where an atheist said, well, you know, they got, you know, R.C. Sproul, like, no, they didn't stage this. And John just didn't make it up. It just happened. Right. Right. Like, and it happened because there was a God's foreknowledge and even providential plan, if you will, that now you can say, again, it was a, it was Christ's choice to do it. And then also it was the plan of God to redeem the world through it. Right.
0: So, right. Um, I, I do love that quote from R.C. Sproul, because that is yeah. kind of an, that is kind of an interesting thought to think that, no, the Romans weren't like, oh, oh, you know, the Hebrew scripture <laughs> says yeah. it, this happens, So we need to do this. That was, that was not, right. that was not their intention. It was just they did what they did because it was providential. Yeah, absolutely. So like
1: the first prophecy then would be, you know, I, this makes me uncomfortable. I'm not one that sees like a prophecy of Jesus in every, uh, in every page of scripture, but at the same time, John was purposeful in this stuff. So like when, when we say the prophecy of the garment, um, Psalm 22, it starts with the, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Which is of course what Mm -hmm. Jesus says on the cross. And so you're supposed to think of Psalm 22, well, so right. when you read through Psalm 22, you read that they divide my clo- the clothing my clothing among themselves, and for my clothing they cast lots, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And that's just kind of what happened. So, you know, we, it is what it is. And right. then um, the prophecy of the drink from Psalm 69, 19 through 21, you know, you have them giving this vinegar or whatnot um, Sour to wine, Jesus yeah
0: yeah you know um, yeah do you think let me ask you this one because i've always i've always thought about this one too the fact that they gave him the sour wine on a sponge on hyssop you know do, do you think absolutely. that that was intentional
1: i think absolutely everything that happened to jesus christ or that jesus christ did was intentional yeah because if now, you well, think
0: about the passover right. the in exodus i mean they used yeah. hyssop so yeah. smear the blood on the lentil post. So just yeah. I always thought that was really intriguing.
1: Um yeah. Um so and then the third one would be uh the not breaking of any bones. This does go back to the the Passover lamb. Um,
0: yeah.
1: Uh Psalm 34, 19. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord rescues them from them all. He keeps all their bones. Not one of them will be broken. So you could either say that goes back to the Exodus or it goes back just to this Psalm. But again, John is purposefully looking for places maybe in which, you know, by the time he's done, I'm sure John, when he got done writing his book was like, all right, surely people get it by now. Like, <laughs> I mean, you would surely, hope so. right? I mean,
0: he did enough to tie the, the two together, you know, uh, to make it a very clear portrait of who Jesus was.
1: Yeah. Um, so the other thing then would be like, well, actually, have you ever seen that Facebook meme? You know, where the guy's drinking coffee and he's like, "All right, one more thing on Facebook, that'll clear everything up." Have you seen that one? Yeah, yeah. It's got to be what John was thinking. Like, what else can sure? What else can I do? Anyway, um, yeah. So that's kind of really uh, all I was trying to do there is just say john has switched pretty much now from just saying this is the lamb of god who takes away the sin of the world to now this this is the messiah this is the jewish messiah don't don't look any further
0: absolutely you asked some questions at the end of the section you say have you ever studied the prophecies of the old testament concerning the messiah which ones do you find most intriguing does it affect your understanding of jesus and if so how um i know one of the um extras that we're going to send out in the email this week is going to have a listing of some of the old testament prophecies and and where they're listed about messiah for me for me i think the one that i find the most intriguing is the suffering servant it's cool um is it yeah, yeah. right i think so right. um no no anyway anyway isaiah it's an isaiah um i to me i just i love well, I can't say love. That's kind of a strange word to say. The idea that God would come down off of His throne and live like us, uh, experience the world around Him like us, and then choose willingly choose um, to suffer and die. One of my one of my favorite children's books for Easter. Um, and I'm going to have to look it up. I'll have to go see if I can find it real quick is um, it's about an Easter bunny. And it talks about this rabbit um, being there with Christ while he was praying in Gethsemane. And, and I love that for kids yeah. because it's just this beautiful symbolic representation that even though his disciples were, were asleep, <laughs> that this rabbit, spent time with him you know i mean obviously fictitious story but it just this beautiful idea that christ would choose um through much prayer and through much conversation with god that he would still choose to suffer to suffer in such a brutal 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 way um to be the servant of all humanity
1: Hmm. No, you just brought up something. So another way wow. to think about the sufferings of Christ, like a lot of times we've t- we talk about the atonement a lot and how you, you know, so like next week, next week's lesson, we'll talk about um, a view of the atonement. Um, but it's funny. Sometimes we will say, you know, real progressive Christians who don't believe in the resurrection or just think that, you know, there's stories that are powerful or whatnot. They won't emphasize the The suffering of christ in the same way as they do the resurrection of christ like if we're supposed to understand the resurrection of christ as a metaphor then what do we understand the suffering of christ for do you just gloss over that kind of thing that's something Mm. to think about i don't know that just came up to my mind while you were talking um like you know christ chose to be beaten in a sense yeah Eh, maybe he chose he submitted to it i don't know if he chose it but he submitted to it um and it is isaiah 53
0: okay good deal and I guess for, so which which one for, do you find most intriguing?
1: Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's just kind okay. of the whole thing. I mean, it's just I it just it blows my mind. You know, whatever somebody regards as the integrity of scripture or the inspiration of scripture. Like when I think about you go back to Genesis chapter 3, by every account was written by at least 1200 BC, BCE, whatever you want to call it. And even if things were manipulated over 1300 years, to just see it all work and all Mm -hmm. the stories that echo it, it's like a symphony where you have, like, you know, a, a theme and then you have a variation and then another theme introduced and then it finds its whole. I the whole thing blows me away I mean there's no other book like that even the holy books from like you know uh, Hinduism they're not a narrative like this that that have these themes that introduce and then reoccur and then just this it's just an amazing thing to me like and I would think if I wasn't a Christian I would still be in awe because you know that's 1300 years of work from you know 50 some odd people that fits
0: right it's weird
1: and it's amazing so i think it's everything i mean when i when i just studied that it's just amazing
0: yeah it is amazing that's what i would say
1: and i'm sure there's probably more things that i'm like oh well the suffering ceremony i had to memorize that whole chapter in bible college um and and i think about it a lot i don't remember it much anymore i can do like parts of it but um but i mean you know to think about isaiah probably wrote that 570 ish you know yeah and while yeah maybe it meant something else but i will say this jews do not read isaiah 53 uh in uh in worship service because it is so much like the description of what we have in the gospel of jesus being uh crucified so that's Mm -hmm. something just for uh,
0: just for bonus points yeah bonus points how interesting
1: so anywho so um,
0: teachers what do you find most intriguing that's a great question to ask let me say this
1: they don't say the Isaiah 53 in like a liturgical way so obviously they read Isaiah 53
0: okay fair enough so teachers find out what your what your students think is the most intriguing does it affect your understanding of Jesus right (laughs) okay learning from the scripture you Hmm. start us off with our favorite our favorite verse John 3 16 we do quote that a lot.
1: <laughs> yeah. So I kind of use so I wanted to bring up, yeah, well, we do. It's what we do. That's we,
0: we really do. And that's okay. It's okay.
1: So John 3.16, what I'm talking about here more. We we had a, a conversation a couple of lessons ago about how world means cosmos. It means the world system. It means everything that's created. right? But sometimes when you use the world word world, you're talking about the people, just you know, all the people of the world. Right. And so I pick up on that at least because I think there is something in which you know, having the king of the Jews written in Hebrew, Greek, and what was it, I can't remember now, Hebrew, Greek, and uh, Latin,
0: Latin. right, so
1: the Hebrew would be the common language of the Jews and the religious, right, but then Latin was the business, or was the language of commerce, or the language of empire, and then Greek was the language of just the common person around, right, so like, I don't, I think there's a reason why John uplifts that, and it's that this Jesus person isn't just the king of the Jews, right, I mean, he is the king of the Jews, but that has implications for those who speak Latin in the economy, in the empire. And it has, and that means like Jesus is not just a Jewish king, but the common people who spoke Greek, who weren't ethnically Jewish, uh, they were also affected by this. And so maybe in some accident, some, you know, uh, (laughs) pilot says this needs to be written in three different languages. Right. And the most important ones for the time. That's pretty yeah. neat, actually. And I, I don't think I'd ever really noticed that until I started studying this this week. So I mean, even from the beginning, when we were thinking about Jesus as Messiah, it wasn't for one group of people. It was for the world. Yeah. And by that I mean it was mean, for everybody. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It was for it was for the entirety. You know, I mean and we we gloss over this. And I love that you pointed this out because we do, we just kind of read over, oh well, it was written in Hebrew, Latin, and Greek, blah, blah, blah. Not understanding the significance and the implication of that. Yeah, um, I mean, why
1: would it be written in any other thing? Right. I mean, you're at a Jewish holiday where there's just thousands of. So Jews why not? Why not just why Hebrew? Not just Hebrew? Yeah. yeah. So anyway.
0: Yeah. Why not just Hebrew? I mean, if this was the Jewish king, you know, why not just Hebrew? When you have all these people amassing into Jerusalem for the Passover feast, you know, why why not just that? But no, having it in Latin and Greek makes a huge difference and yeah oh gosh that was that was really good i think that's something we should share about
1: right. so and then building on that then what i have yeah. in your second is is that god is ultimately concerned with our life and so in ephesians chapter one it says blessed be the god and father of our lord jesus christ who has blessed us in christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms not mm-hmm. only those so that's the other thing so like when christ dies there's three different languages kind of symbolizing three different groups or whatever but in christ in this act that he's doing we become part of a new family where right there's no hebrew or greek so to speak it, it's a language of faith and it's a language of love and we're we're part of the family of god now um yeah. and that's kind of second and third because i talk about how you know paul says you know or in romans you know we see the spirit that cries out abba father we we're transformed from this earthly thing to a spiritual family.
0: Yes. Yes. And that is so huge. I mean, for Cumberland Presbyterians, that is something that that I think when I was at pause, that was something that was drilled into us is to be Cumberland Presbyterian is to be connectional. And, And it's not just connectional with, I mean, it is with the Cumberland Presbyterians, but just with the entire family of faith at large, that we are connected in this very fundamental and beautiful way of this spiritual understanding uh, just that we are brothers and sisters and how and how amazing is that you know you're talking about the war in Ukraine earlier and it was a couple of weeks ago that I was able to attend a it was a zoom um, worship service but they had four different pastors from across Ukraine from the east to the west who, were able to come in and talk about their experiences and share with what was happening with their people in their area and what, how they were, they were helping um, their community through this time. Um, And it was being led by, I think it was a a German Methodist um, female minister. And at the end of our time together after hearing these stories and, and listening to the relief efforts that were happening and just the different organizations that were pouring in and, and saying different prayers at the end of our time together, she said, we're all going to recite the Lord's prayer together. And there were over, I think there were over 2000 plus people that were in on this call and just um, reading through the comments. we I mean, literally we were from all over the world, literally. And she said, we're going to recite the Lord's Prayer, but as we recite it together, I want you to recite it in your native tongue. Language. And oh my gosh, I cried. Like speaking in tongues up in what, Becky. <laughs> I'm telling you, I cried, I cried, I cried, I cried because it was so, it was such a beautiful moment to recognize that there were all these people, 2000 plus people saying the Lord's Prayer together, but all in our own native tongue all of us lifting up this prayer to god for ukrainian people oh my goodness that is the family that is our brothers and sisters
1: also on a side note it's one of the reasons why everybody does the lord's prayer it's not because you're learning a rote ritual by saying the lord's prayer it's almost as if you're you know you're reciting your family history and the lord's prayer doesn't belong to a denomination it belongs to it belongs to christ church right yeah and so yeah that's important that's why oh man I do try to encourage churches to do the Lord's Prayer together because you're not doing it just to be haughty-taughty. You're doing it because that's what, you know, from from the beginning, churches from all times and all places have done. And and so you're identifying with the family of God when you, it's almost like a password, I guess, but, you know, not like that, but it kind of like that.
0: Yeah. Oh, man, it's just beautiful.
1: I wish I would have been able to experience that. Thank you for sharing
0: You're welcome. It's still when I think about it, it really does make you are fun. tearing up a little bit. Sorry, sorry, I <laughs> can't help it. I'm an emotional person, I can't help that. You, you end I'm this not. section with okay. what are the other lessons and benefits we receive because of the passion of Jesus Christ, and what is the most meaningful to you?
1: Yeah, we were talking before we got on. I mean, like, one of the things is, is like, we use words we don't use them flippantly, but we use them without thinking about them. So a lot of times when somebody says, Hey, or if I say to somebody, how you doing, they'll say I'm blessed. And I want to just mm-hmm. stop and be like, well, what does it mean? Like what is blessed for you? Cause I want to hear it. Yes. I'm glad. And I right. want to hear why. And sometimes in my life, I feel it. I feel a blessing. Like there's times where I'm working at night, late at night. And I'll do this like once, maybe every six months, I don't want to get people used to it, but I'll just have to put on <laughs> Facebook, like I'm blessed. I'm in a family. I love my wife, my kids. Things are well. I got a good job. Like these are things that they're material to an extent, but they're not because it's. I'm not saying because I have them I feel better. It's just the recognition that man, like I don't deserve
0: any of this, right?
1: And I love this, and I'm thankful for this. (laughs) Whatever that means, like I don't know.
0: And I think it it's a mixture, you know. we're going to talk about this a little bit more but maybe the the passion of of Jesus Christ is that mixture of suffering and and blessing all at the same time and i think i'm going to leave my story for the our final discussion question at the applying but um but maybe for me that's what's most meaningful to me is the beauty through the pain maybe you know beauty from ashes whatever that happens to me what that looks like yeah. hmm. okay applying applying the scripture what do you got
1: this is another one that i've thought about a lot um kind of like what does it mean to be blessed what does it mean then to enter in the suffering of the sufferings of christ because in mm-hmm. a couple different places in the new testament not just these two that i've quoted uh when peter says but rejoice insofar as you are sharing in christ's sufferings." And then, and then Paul says, you know, I want to know Christ and the powers of His resurrection and the sharing of His sufferings, uh, beco- becoming like Him in His death. Um, obviously, so Peter was writing to people who were being persecuted, sure. beat, dying for their faith. Yes. Um, yeah. Paul, he couldn't go anywhere without getting hit. I mean, like it just wouldn't be a good sermon if he didn't get beaten in the head. I or know, right? Put in chains somewhere. <laughs>
0: something, something happened to him. Yeah
1: but we don't have that. And I don't think, you know, we shouldn't have martyrdom syndrome to where we like go run into a place just so we can prove looking for our it sufferings that's because that's not, that's not good. Um, so I mean, maybe it's a mortification of our sin. Maybe mm-hmm. we struggle because sometimes Paul talks about like the spiritual struggle against sin, almost in physical terms, beating your body or, you know, these kinds of things. Um, which he didn't mean physically beating the body, but it was the image of saying, man, work hard at this, like really, really hard, mm-hmm. even to the point where it hurts. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. what yeah. did, When you think of we were talking a little off air. I think the yeah. closest I've ever come, we, we take in, we're like a boarding home. Um, and I've always been that way. And there was one time where I was trying to help out some folks and I just felt like my whole life was not mine. I'd come home and, 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 and it just—I wanted my house. I wanted it back. And it went on for like two or three months. And I would get in my car and I'd just scream and I'd be like, "Oh, would you get out of here, right or whatever?" And yeah, um, that'd be the closest I've ever come, I guess, of of truly mentally. I I was mentally suffering in a way. Yeah. Sure, but sure, you know, all worked yeah, works out I, for the
0: good. It it does, you know. And that's that goes back to the pain, but sacrificial i mean it just kind of winds up everything that we we're talking about this that making a sacrifice is not a pleasant thing and Nobody it knows. shouldn't necessarily be a pleasant thing so what is it that you have sacrificed what is what does that mean to participate in the sufferings of christ and 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 thankfully i know my children will never watch this <laughs> ah, mine either. way to go <laughs> so so i can share a little bit um so, for those that know me, they know that we just had like all of my children left. Um, my daughter had never moved out. And then my son, my daughter in law, and our two grandchildren hadn't moved in last year and had lived with us for eight months. Um, and for those of you that have had children leave and then come back, you understand <laughs> that it is a little bit of suffering, even if it is for their own good. Um, that you you suffer because your home is not your own your Mm -hmm. home is not the way that you want it and things are never in the right place and there's always extra messes that you're walking around cleaning up after and just it is suffering through that eight months I learned one uh that I have more patience than I ever thought I could possibly have um but i also understood the love of christ more than i don't know that i ever have i mean i do but it just it was it became so apparent to me through this my my daughter-in-law has gone through a lot in her life and my son and i have had our our odds um and through that 8 months i watched my daughter-in-law Just blossom into this amazing person who has become a better wife, has become a better mom. It has helped me understand people and some of the trauma that they have come through and how to be that Christ like example without judgment, without retribution, without tearing somebody down, but how to love them where they are and. Help them find a better way to be a better version of themselves. Um, and and not by twisting their arm and beating them, but by just being being that Christ-like example to them so that they can see in you, through you, that there that there's a better thing. And so even though it was an incredibly difficult eight months, it was also a beautiful, beautiful time.
1: So while you were talking? that spurred me on to thinking. So, and, and I've felt this before too, and, I, and you expressed it really well. There have been times, you know, we've taken in kids, you know, because of unfortunate circumstances. And it's hard sometimes because it's hard.
0: They bring in all this extra baggage.
1: But man, I would never change it after we're through it. And there's a sense in which maybe the suffering of Christ Christ opened himself up in vulnerability. That's the only way you do it. Like when you open up yourself to vulnerability to someone else, that's when a real ministry takes place. Really. That's when it affects you. Right. Cause it's so easy. Like to, we've said this, maybe this is it. Maybe we can write a check and send it. Keep and that's ministry. Sorry. But How much will it affect you when it's not a sacrifice? Now, maybe if you write a $400,000 check and you got $401,000 in the bank, that's probably going to make a difference to you. Sure. Or when it becomes real and nitty gritty and it changes you and it makes you suffer, suffer for lack of better term, yeah. maybe that's God shaking us saying, yeah, this maybe is what it means to, to partake. Well, again, I, I hesitate to say anything I've ever done in life is the suffering of Christ, um, but I've been uncomfortable for darn sure. Yeah. <laughs> and it's during those times where I form the best relationships. And the more I understand God, the more I understand how much God has to put up with me. Um, <laughs> so maybe that's it. Maybe that's something to that.
0: Yeah. I'm with you. Who knows? It, it changes you when when you truly suffer. I think when you really understand what that means to pick up your cross and follow Christ, when you truly suffer. And again, I'm not saying like physical suffering, beating, that sort of thing, but that's when you understand how God sees the rest of us and makes you maybe a little more empathetic.
1: Hmm. I'm going to say that's pretty good. I'm not going to try to push it anymore because that might be the closest I've come in a conversation to try to figure it out. So we'll think about these things longer.
0: Great discussion. Teachers, I hope you've really enjoyed this. Again, some deep thinking today so I, I really hope you take time to go over this lesson right passion
1: week so that means the next Passionly. time we get together we're not going to say it because we're during Lent, but we'll say something okay. in the lungs of okay is risen indeed <laughs> <How's> that's it yay <laughs> all right um blessings becky uh thank you for all your work for the denomination and for the different presbyteries and churches around and thank you uh, We'll see for you your in- awesome writings. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. what I get paid. For. Good thinking. <laughs> Bye. Guys. Bye,
0: everybody.